and I have the pleasure of hosting tonight's podcast with one of our writers, Alex Simpson. How you doing, Alex? Hey, hey Jibs. How you doing, man? I'm pretty good. You know, some of us is dealing with this cold weather up in the Northeast while uh, Coach Stephen P is just like enjoying his vacation and the nice warm weather, or you could say finding a new state to watch the Dolphins lose in. I think all 50 states have that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do have that week to week. But you can find us at the www.thefantasycoaches.com or you can follow us on Twitter at Coaches Fantasy. You can find me at Hot Take Honcho on Twitter. You can find Alex at Alex to the Simpson. Alex number two, the Simpson. Yeah, and you 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 can listen to us on Tuesday for our weekend recaps. While on Fridays, when you can listen to our starts and sits, we're gonna get into some of the news. It's basically injury related. I'm just gonna go down. Alden Tate has a concussion and a cervical strain. Marlon Mack has a fractured hand and he had surgery today. James Conner has an AC joint sprain. His week twelve. Playing status is up in the air right now. Juju obviously has a concussion, but a knee injury popped up today. Mitchell Trubisky has a hit pointer injury. Lane Johnson has a concussion. Jameis Winston popped up with an ankle injury. And these are some players that are making some progress. T.Y. Hilton's calf. Evan Ingram's foot. He shed the walking boot today. David Njoku's wrist. Coach Freddie Kitchen says he's day-to-day. Sterling Shepard concussion. He worked in limited practice today. Brandon Cook's concussion. He he worked in limited practice last week, and Devonta Freeman was uh, his foot is looking pretty. Uh, is he's making progress to say the least. So does anything pop off to you, Alec? Well, you know, for a lot of these players, you know, you're kind of hoping for them to come back, and you know, you you want them to wait till they're fully healthy before they come back because you know you don't want to have like a re-aggravated injury. You know, I know Adam Thielen. Uh, a couple weeks ago, came out there and played about seven snaps before he re-injured it or re-aggravated that ham- uh, hamstring injury. And when you know when when you got these guys on your fantasy team or even on your you know your favorite football team, you know you don't want them to go out there and re-injure themselves. And you got to wait even longer for those guys to come back. Oh, I completely understand. Like David Johnson, fantasy owners don't even know what to do with him right now. He had that injury. A running back kind of took his uh, king of the throne as a position, and now he's just. We're not even getting anything out of him. We don't even know if he's playing or not. Yeah, I know, you know, just watching him play, you know, he looks really slow out there. I don't know if he's still hurt or what's going on. It it certainly looks like it. You know, last week when they were when they were playing, there were some plays out there, man. He's just when he was moving out there, he looked like a fullback almost. He just wasn't he didn't look like himself. No, not at all. And to what you're saying before, James Conner is a perfect example. Playing he got a few touches in the Thursday night game and then all of a sudden he left the game. And Steelers are just piling up with injuries at the moment. You know, unfortunately for James Conner, it seems like it's becoming a regular thing. You know, he goes out there healthy, and then, you know, at at some point during the game, it seems like something always pops up, and he has to, you know, leave. And You know, you see him in the medical tent, and, you know, then you see a lot of Jalen Samuels and, uh, you know, Trey Edmonds. So, you you know, it's unfortunate, but it seems to be happening week in and week out for James Conner. Yeah, it's been a weekly occurrence. He's definitely been fighting through injuries. But I think a nice sit on the shelf may be good for him long term, but definitely not short term for fantasy owners. But we'll get into our some some of our takeaways from week eleven. Alex, you know, guess go first. So what you got for us? You know, my first one might not be the biggest thing, you know, the biggest story that you hear about, especially, you know, when you think about what happened Thursday in uh in Cleveland, you know, of course that's gonna take all the headlines. But at the end of the uh the Sunday night game between the Bears and the Rams, so, um, you know, Bears coach Matt Nagy 
pulled Mr. Trubisky, and they said that he had a hit point from a sack that happened in the second quarter. But you didn't see any doctors tending to him. You didn't see him in the medical tent. And he just looked like, you know, a guy who wasn't playing. He was just standing there on the sideline, uh, hands on his, you know, the front of his shoulder pads, just, you know, just standing there while Chase Daniel took the snaps. And, you know, in a game that they, you know, they probably weren't going to win, being down 10 with, you know, just a little bit under three minutes to go, you know, you still have a chance. You know, we've seen bigger comebacks before. And, uh, you know, for Nagy to make that statement after Trubisky's and, you know, dealing with all this attention from the media, and, it, you know, it's really bothered him to just take him out of the game completely right there towards the end is just a big, you know, big hurt to his confidence. You know, you, you, you draft the guy second overall. You, you know, you trade up one spot to get him, and you hope he's your guy. And, you know, he, he, he did well last year. You know, there were moments where he really showed signs of flash, but – you know, last night, you know, in, in the whole season, you know, you're hoping he, he finally puts it together. You know, a guy struggling mentally the way Trubisky seems to be, I think it was a, probably a pretty bad move by Nagy to, to take him out late in the game. Yeah, it kind of sucks for Mitchell Trubisky because, they, like you said, they put all that stock into him. But there were some Bears, I guess, fans clamoring for Chase Daniel when he did come in for Mitchell Trubisky's quarterback duties for a couple of games while he was hurt. So, yeah. if yeah, yeah, go ahead. I just... Yeah, sorry. I, I just think that, you know, whether he's the guy who's going to go out there and win you, win you games, you know, of course, you know, maybe Chase Daniels your guy for that. You know, with as much as you have invested in this kid, you really have to hope he pans out. And, you know, he hasn't performed well, but they're only, get, you know, they're only making it harder for him. You know, they really have to be ready to move on from him if they're willing to bench him, you know, late in the game like that, because it's only going to get worse. And at this point, you know, you got to figure it out or you got to move on. I completely understand either to make it work or the boat is sailed. So for me, it's just the return of Todd Gurley. He's been pretty abysmal throughout this year, giving us mediocre stat lines that were saved by scoring a touchdown. But with limited options in the receiving game, Sean McVay actually leaned on Todd Gurley, giving him 25 carries. He got 97 yards rushing. And he put a solid 36 yards. I know 36 yards isn't much, but for Todd Gurley, that's pretty good given his uh, recent weeks. He also played his highest snap share since week five, which was against the Seahawks when he got hurt with that leg contusion. So it's looking pretty optimistic for Todd Gurley and fantasy owners of Todd Gurley may not have to worry about it. Although Malcolm Brown did score a touchdown <laughs> or something, but hey, he's still getting them good shares of the rushing load. I think it's a very positive sign for Gurley, um, you know, in a game where Brandon Cook's a sideline once again, and then Robert Woods was de- uh, declared inactive right for the game due to a personal reason. You know, they, uh, they didn't have a whole lot going into the game. And, you know, Cup just had a week last week where he didn't even put up a single stat, you know, no catches, you know, and of course with no catches, you know, nothing else follows that. And, um, you know, Jared Goff seems to struggle in prime time, seems to struggle later in the season, you know, whether it's, you know, cold or just, you know, winding down to the playoffs and he um he definitely struggles against the bears defense you know last year when, when they played you know that was that was a really rough game and they were having a really great year up until that point and um you know last night you know he didn't have all his receivers there and you know i understand this problem and maybe because of that mcveigh decided to go ahead and run the ball more but you know golf is is really been struggling late and um he's quite turnover prone especially with fumbles and i think that mcveigh will look to run the ball more and that will only help Todd Gurley and his fantasy owners. I like that take. Jared Goff has barely put up. He's put up five and three points last two weeks. That is absurdly bad. And 
like you said, they had to do something, whether it's lean on the rushing game, get Todd Gurley more involved. Maybe Malcolm Brown has a little standalone value, to say the least. But at the end of the day, it's all pointing up. But the Rams' offense definitely needs to get the offensive line better because it definitely has Jared Goff in disarray in the pocket. It seems like he's very skittish. Got to win games. You know, got to got to establish that run. At the very least, you know, open up play action passing. But, you know, with and, and they just signed Goff that, you know, that long-term extension earlier in the year. And, I, you know, I don't know if they're kind of worried about that now, but I, I think they're going to have to, you know, set aside the fact that, yeah, I know Gurley, you know, he's got arthritis in his knees and they've been trying to save him. But I think the reason you save him is just for this reason. This time of year when golf struggles, you know, let Gurley be your workhorse. And, of course, Henderson and Brown, they, you know, they're good, they're good backs too. And they can, you know, Henderson's a good change of pace. And, and Malcolm Brown, you know, kind of similar skill set to Gurley. I think you just ride those guys. You know, if you're going to make the playoffs and, and, and then go far in the playoffs, you've got to run the ball. Just got to hope that offensive line comes together. So what's your second takeaway? You know, Another thing that I that kind of caught my attention was DJ Shaw, DJ Shark. With Nick Foles coming back, you know, you don't necessarily know how that translates, you know, going from one quarterback to another. And, you know, with Foles being a new addition and then she being a rookie, you know, Shark really didn't have a whole lot of time to work with these guys. You know, he got to work with Foles in the preseason. And then, you know, he looked nice in week one before Foles got hurt. And then Minshew, you know, he found, you know, DJ Shark as his favorite target. And with that, you know, you kind of think, okay, well, can this translate with Foles back? You know, Foles is, you know, he's known to go to the slot. You're thinking, okay, D.D. Westbrook will probably be his number one guy. Shark uh, had eight catches for 104 yards and two touchdowns yesterday. And I, I just think that no matter who his quarterback is down there in Jacksonville, he's a he's a legitimate wide receiver one. And, I, I you know, I didn't really jump on that bandwagon. I just kept thinking, okay, you know, it's going to fall off. It's going to fall off. You know, like kind of like McLaurin did with his quarterback play, you know, with those guys in Washington. But he keeps putting up numbers, so you know I'm a believer in this guy. Hey, I was a doubter too, but the stats don't lie. This man's put up absurd touchdowns. I didn't think it would be this many touchdowns going for it. But to switch over a quarterback that had me a little bit skittish about him, I did receive a couple of trade offers for him last week. But I was like, nah, nah, nah. I want to see how it waits out. And the translation was just seamless from the two. So. As long as Nick Foles can get, get this look better, he's going to have a, I guess, cakewalk matchups coming up for it. Not cakewalk, but just easy schedule moving forward. And he definitely could get multiple wide receivers established in the game and have DJ Chark just win it as like a waiver wire pickup that he got early on. I was just going to go with my next take. It's Christian McCaffrey. I would never thought I would see a player score 30 PPR fancy points and a blowout loss where their team scored three points. Christian McCaffrey had 14 carries for 70 yards and caught 11 receptions for 121 yards. This guy is undeniably the best running back in the league right now, hands down. You know, I was flipping back and forth between a couple games, and um, you know, I happened to catch a good bit of that, you know, that loss. And you know, you just kind of see, you know, the score, and you see Kyle Allen throwing interceptions. And, you know, you just kind of brush it off, and you know, you look at the box score later, and I could not believe that he put up 30 points again. You know, it seems so unlikely, you know, when you, you go check back in on that game that he could do that with such a lopsided game. You know, it doesn't matter whether they win or they lose. He either carries them to a victory or he's to work or is trying to get them back in the in the game. Totally matchup proof. It's unbelievable. So what's your third take, Alex? My next take is going to be a little bit about some records. You know, Michael Thomas coming in there and um, – you know, he's, he's got 94 catches now through the year. You know, 94 catches in 10 games. The previous record 
through 10 games in a season was 89 by Marvin Harrison and Julio Jones. And Michael Thomas also has now moved in the first place for most receptions in a player's career through four seasons, their first, their first four seasons. So you got that. Michael Thomas is looking to shatter the single season reception record. Then you also got Daniel Jones. I know when you think about records and Daniel Jones, you kind of wonder like, you know, where's this going? But Daniel Jones did not start the first two games of the year. He he did play sparingly like the last drive in um, one of the first two games of the Giants. But in eight games as a starter, he's thrown 15 touchdowns. The rookie record for touchdown passes in a single season is held by Baker Mayfield. He broke it last year with 27. Well, at the rate he's going now, Daniel Jones is on pace for 26 passing touchdowns. But he's got a nice schedule moving forward. You know, they, they seem to be throwing the ball quite a bit. And he's, he's figured out, he's learned this offense. You know, he's, he's doing well. And I think that, you know, he's, he's averaging, you know, right under two touchdowns a game. But with more experience, you know, you think about it, if he throws two touchdowns in each of the remaining games, he'll actually break, he'll, he'll tie the record of Baker Mayfield. And I think it's a pretty, pretty good chance that, you know, he'll actually break that rookie passing touchdown record. Uh, I, I didn't know Daniel Jones was actually killing it like that because I do see quite a few Giants games and I just see turnovers galore. But you're right. He does have a very good, good schedule moving forward going against most of like the NFC East teams. I believe. Uh, I don't know who else he has on the schedule. Daniel Jones is going to either get you the 20, the high like boom games, or he's definitely going to explode in your face. He has Chicago, Green Bay, Philadelphia, Miami in week 15. He has Washington in week 16. So yeah, that fancy playoff schedule is delicious looking. And Michael Thomas is, just a surge. He has 94 catches so far this year. It's week 11, and he has 1,141 yards receiving. He is the undisputed wide receiver one right now. Yeah, so you guys heard me talk about a few people with the injury bug as of late, like Auto Tate, Marlon Mack, James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mitchell Trubisky, and Jameis Winston. And we also talked about T.Y. Hilton. Evan Ingram, David John, David Njoku, Sterling Shepard, Brandon Cooks, and Devontae Freeman as people who look more a little bit optimistic. But we have the student doc on right now. Evan, how are you doing today? Yo, yo, yo. I'm doing all right, man. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. So I'm glad you went and got your, your dogs some food, man. You got to yeah. feed them dogs, feed them animals. Oh, man. Yeah, I had to get them some little nutri- nutrients, man. He ain't getting big, <laughs> but I don't want to see him freaking... Uh, He's starving out there. Yeah, exactly. So, Edwin, like all these players are dropping like flies. Who do we want to give a little injury highlight on? You want to start with Juju Smith-Schuster? Yeah, let's start there because today I saw something really interesting about Juju, and that was the fact that not only is he dealing with his third concussion, documented concussion, he's also dealing with a knee injury. And it's not very often, especially the Steelers. The Steelers, they don't communicate a ton with the media, but they did already say that they're worried about him, which is, you know, we have to worry as fantasy owners about that um, already, simply because, that, like I said, that's just not very common. So um, the fact that he has the, the little mini buy there, you know, the four days or whatever it was extra, 
um, the three days extra that, that they get when they play Thursdays, it's almost washed away because he's got the concussion and he's got the, uh, the new, the knee injury now. So that's something that's, that we've, we've got to consider. I'd be really surprised. I know we're early in the week. I'd be very surprised if Juju played, uh, in week 12, which just leaves that offense completely depleted, man. It's, it's just, it's a nightmare for the Steelers, man. Race Mason Rudolph's bad. James Connors hurt. Juju's hurt. I mean, the defense is really the MVP of that team so far, and I don't know. It's not looking great. Definitely, <clears throat> definitely not at all. Even if Juju is to be shelved up for Week Twelve, it's not like us as fantasy owners will be uh, missing out on anything. Just measly four points or whatever. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's fair. That's very fair. It's, it's definitely good for him to sit out, get healthy. And be there for next year and when uh, Big Ben hopefully comes back. We don't know about that, but it's still not looking good long-term and short-term for Juju. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, and then, so like I, I mentioned, James Conner, that's another another one you have to worry about simply because uh, it's it's sort of interesting to me the way that teams try to frame the injuries. Um, so like the report came out today and it said something along the lines of, James Conner's injury, not as, not any worse. That's how they worded it. They said not <laughs> any worse than the first time around. Okay, well, if it's not any worse, you know, that means that the last time he missed two weeks. So what are you telling us? Do you know what I mean? So it's like, basically, they're like, well, he's not out for the season. But, you know, I, I'd be surprised if, if James Conner even played uh, this week as well. Just because, you know, if they're telling us that it's not as bad, they're telling us it's at least as bad, if that makes sense. Um, and the first time, first time that he got hurt and had this, this, uh, this injury, it was two weeks. And the average time for that, for those injuries are two to four weeks. Uh, and he just went ahead and sort of, you hit the reset button then at the very least. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he's out for another couple of weeks. Um, cause they did, this is what, these are the things you have to worry about with these injuries. I talked about it on, under the other pod that I do that an instability issue like this, like once those ligaments are disrupted, um, the risk for re-injury is bigger than, you know, than before it happened. Yeah. And what was your, um, or the initial prognosis was like two to four week injury. Yeah. Yeah. His, so AC sprains are two to four weeks, generally speaking, depending on that there. And this man comes back two weeks later. I know he's been trying to do his best Superman impression, but still as a human body, it needs time to heal. And obviously now they're shooting themselves in the foot because he could have came back and been a hundred percent. And now you gotta go more time without him. That's the thing too, man. That's a good point is like the Steelers. I don't know what it is about them, but they think that like they constantly think they're in the race and it's like, you're not really like, even if you make the playoffs at this point, like what are you really proving to people? You know, like they're behind the Ravens. They're they're at this point, there's three games behind the Ravens. They're not going to catch the Ravens. They're not going to get a wild card spot. I mean, technically, mathematically, I guess they could, but you're not going anywhere with Mason Rudolph and Jalen Samuels as your, you know, headliners for that offense. It's just, I don't understand it, but they're, you know, they're trying to move forward. It's sort of like you said, if I thought that they would have uh, took it, taken a little longer of a break with, with James Conner, who to his credit, man, he's like you said, he's tough. He tries to play through a lot of things. Um, and this sort of another subject for another day, but I have this theory on him that, you know, he had the cancer. And so obviously he had the chemotherapy and basically I've said, I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before chemotherapy, essentially all, all it does, man, since cancer is so just, it just, it's so specific to your DNA 
that they literally just blast your your entire body with this thing to kill the cancer cells. I, I don't know for a fact, but Eric Berry had a similar a similar situation where he had a lot of like tendon tears, ligament tears, and James Conner is having the same problem. So I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the, the last time, you know, we sort of see James Conner as the lead back in, in, a, in a backfield, unfortunately. Wow, that's that's a very interesting take. Like I ne- never would have thought or have correlation between the two and their uh, recent injury news. But onto a even worse note, what can you give us on Marlon Mack? Yeah, so ironically, not ironically, I guess, but but fortunately, Marlon Mack's injury isn't as bad as um, as it seems. It does sound bad, right? Because it's a fracture. He had surgery. It's serious. But five years ago, I think it was four or five years ago, DeMarco, DeMarco Murray had the same injury and then played the next week. And that's just because it depends on the severity of the injury and what they have to do. Um, we have quite a bit of research on it to where you can go in there. Um, what they did was essentially um, put it back to where it was. Um, it's called an ORIF, so an open reduction internal fixation. They put it back in place because the bone was out of place. And then they sort of pin it down together so that it can heal. And you can play using um, a splint or like a protective blaze a brace so marlon mack actually won't be out that long you know it'll probably be because uh, so the average is 16 to 42 days i wouldn't be surprised if we see marlon back mack back by week 15 14 or 15 or so oh that's not that bad given not bad at all that, given the nature that like, he's out it's to be determined i'm just like oh my god that kind of sounds indefinite you know, like, yeah, no, it did. Definitely. And somebody, it's funny, somebody uh, DM me and was like, what do you think about Marlon Mack? And I went and looked what the injury was. And just because, I mean, I don't know everything off the top of my head. I've never claimed to know that. So I was, I, off the top of my head, I was like, oh man, it's hand like a fracture. Oh, he's probably out for the rest of the season. And then I was like, well, I guess I should look into this. I told him, I was like, I don't know, dude, I'd be surprised if it's not the end of the season uh, before I looked anything up and I wanted to confirm that. And nope, I was wrong. People, so I thought the same thing. I thought, holy crap, hand fracture must be done. And nope, definitely not. As long as everything goes smoothly, obviously you can't predict predict things going smoothly like that. But you hope so. You assume that things will go smoothly for him. Oh, definitely. I completely understand that. And he's definitely going to. He's a football player. He's going to want to get back on the field. The Colts are in the thick of things in that uh, AFC South race too. So he definitely wants to get it back as soon as possible. So yeah, I guess I have one more for you. I saw a little news nugget today that Dan Quinn was pretty optimistic about uh, Austin Hooper and Devontae Freeman's injuries. Um, yeah, I saw that too. I think that's just coach speak. Um, mm-hmm. Simply because, well, okay, let me put it into context. So when it initially happened last week, our th- initial thought process for Devontae Freeman was two games. That's what we got. And we thought with Devontae Freeman, well, I thought, I think with Devontae Freeman is that he's just got a case of turf toe, grade one turf toe. That, that la- basically, t- that means that there's not a lot of structural damage and you just go by, by what the patient tells you they're feeling. And so if they're feeling a lot of pain or tenderness, then, then you don't play. But if he feels better, then you can play. Um, that generally takes about two weeks. And then with Hooper, he's dealing with a grade two MCL, which is a little more serious just because the MCL protects your knee from caving in and diving in. And so imagine you're running, you're running, you're running, and then all of a sudden your knee just caves in. So what, what the, the MCL is what prevents that from happening. And if you come back from those too soon, those are sort of like, like ankle injuries. Like you've rolled your ankle before, right? Um, and you, you know how you try to like tough it out or whatever, or you like roll your ankle when you're mm-hmm. playing sports or something. 
it's not that you can't be out on the field. It's that when you make like a quick cut or a quick maneuver, you just feel like you're not stable and you'll, you can roll it again. And so the, the, the knee and the MCL injuries are very similar to that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I mean, I would, I would be very surprised if Austin Hooper came back a little more optimistic on Devonte Freeman, potentially. Yes. But Austin Hooper, I'd be very surprised because he's had this exact same injury. Um, and this was two years ago. So, you know, another, however many miles on an NFL player, player's body, um, last time it, it, it held him out two weeks. And so I would be surprised if it didn't hold him out, you know, at least another, another week, at least, if not more. Yeah, I definitely took those words and just kind of one year went in one year out the other. There's no way yep. you're going to give four week time period for Austin Hooper. And you're like, hey, yeah, he's cool. Like, he looks good. Like, <laughs> That's the first thing me. I learned, man. It, when I Because this is my first season doing this. I mean, Doug Peterson was optimistic about Deshaun Jackson. Um, the entire Bengals organization was optimistic about A.J. Green before coming back before week four. Um, what else? Uh, the Rams were optimistic about Todd Gurley. Like these coaches, they just do this, you know, they say these things. Um, even if they might, even if they're not lying, you know, they just might not have the most educated opinion, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think they need to change their choice words. Not optimistic. I think optimistic is too like glowingly statement. Oh dude, that's Doug Peterson's favorite word. Oh yeah, I I know. Coach P, I love you, man. But oh, thank you, Edwin, for hopping on, giving uh, our listeners some nice little injury notes for yeah, some of just their... just so oh, you know. By the way, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Uh, they did take Tyreek Hill back to the locker room. We're recording this right now during the Thursday night football game, and Tyreek Hill was just sidelined and then taken back to the locker room. That's not a good sign. Um, I would be surprised. I I would be surprised if Tyreek Hill came back. Oh God. Isn't he on your team? Isn't he on your team where you're like, you told me you had, you basically have like the all pro hurt team. Yeah. I actually shift them off though. So I don't want to, but it is what it is. But he's, he's, he's on another team. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I'm getting hurt one way or the other, but Edwin, tell the listeners where they can find you at. Yeah, man. I'm at, at FF student duck on Twitter. It's the best place to find me. Always feel free to uh, slide into those DMs, ask me your questions, let me know what you think about everything I'm doing. I get a lot of good feedback, and I appreciate that. Yeah, you guys should definitely follow this man. He works his tail off. He's always tweeting. He's always giving everyone the best insight and knowledge he has to give them. And he's a great uh, – and besides fantasy football, he still has some great interesting tweets as well. Hey, it's nice to hear. I'm glad somebody's the other day that somebody and this and then I'll leave you alone. I got to go do homework too. the the other day I I tweeted something. I think it was about the Miles Garrett thing. And somebody responded to me and was like, usually really like your takes, but this one I can't understand or something like that. And I like took that as a compliment because I was like, hey, cool. Somebody like reads my stuff and thinks it's interesting. That's that's cool for me. (laughs) Exactly. All feedback is great feedback, even if it's negative. But hey, man. I'll let you go, brother. I appreciate it, man. All right, homie.